Future-proof gold from News Talk. This is a story about waiting. Shane, how are you? Good to see you. Well, I'm sorry about yesterday. You're grand. This, this is Professor Shane Bergen, the hero of our story, who, coincidentally, I had left waiting the day before. See tomorrow, and I was like, okay, Sunday. We're yes. in Trinity College Dublin, where Shane works in the School of Physics. Shane has, overnight, become a bit of a superstar because of something called the pitch drop experiment. So this is it. Wow. In a dark little corner in an old physics building. <laughs> so this is the very unpresuming piece of pitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what you can see here is you can see a glass funnel and in it you can see a rather brittle looking material. But we can touch it. Yeah, why not? Being honest, the setup doesn't actually look very sophisticated. It's essentially just a funnel with some black gunk in it and a beaker underneath. That's it. The black gunk is called pitch. Pitch is a derivative of oil or petroleum. That's Dr. Jessamine Fairfield. She's also a physicist at Trinity. Um, so you would remove the oil or petroleum from the ground and then pitch is some of the kind of byproduct that you get. Uh, these very long chain combinations of carbons. And because these molecules in pitch are so long, they rub off each other and create a sort of a friction that gives it a rather remarkable quality. Pitch is quite possibly the most viscous liquid in the world. So if you hit that with a hammer, it would smash like glass. But if you leave it under even a very small force like gravity, it will flow. Just as granite will, actually. Rock will flow. Huh? It's all with glass in the window. They what? all flow, yeah. I don't know about you, but this was news to me. It appears that the line between solid and liquid isn't always that clear, and that's why pitch as a material is interesting to scientists like Shane and Jessamine. In a solid the atoms that comprise the solid are very strongly bound to each other and bound in a specific configuration um, that forms the solid. And so a liquid, there will be some interaction between the molecules, but they're not fixed in specific positions. They're more able to move past each other. And pitch is kind of at the intersection between these two regimes where it does have very strong interactions between the molecules, but they're not really in fixed positions. They can go by each other. It's just very slow. Slow is a bit of an understatement. And this is where the now infamous experiment comes in, because if pitch is a liquid, then it should drip like a liquid. And that's what someone went out to prove 69 years ago. So how many times has it dropped since 1944? We don't know, because as I said, it was set up... What? Yeah, it was set up as a demonstration piece, um, as you can see. And it's like still got covered in dust, and it's in its original uh, condition. And it sat on a shelf for 69 years and people would look at it and say yeah look you can see it's falling and forming but no one was was like you know marking it down um a little unusual perhaps as physicists are normally known for keeping records of such things we reckon it's roughly once a decade but that's approximate like it could have sped up with time or we don't know like um we'd like to know <laughs> we can wait another 70 years right and <laughs> measure the next seven or so Back in 1944, someone put this pitch into the funnel and it's been there ever since. The best guess Shane and his colleagues have is that the pitch has dropped about seven times in nearly 70 years. Once a decade. 
Let's put that into context. The experiment is set up in 1944. Yesterday morning at 2.41 a.m. The Allies win the war, the colour TV arrives, the first Playboy magazine hits the shelves, Stalin dies, all of this happens and still not one drop until eventually, presumably around 1954, the first drop. Disneyland opens, McDonald's becomes a thing, Sputnik is launched, hula hoops are a fad, JFK says we'll go to the moon, JFK gets shot, and the US sends troops to Vietnam. Vin Lin, just inside the border of North Vietnam, was struck today by US and South Vietnamese planes. All this happens until eventually, presumably around 1965, the second drop. Star Trek, Martin Luther King, the internet, Sesame Street, VCRs and Watergate. 1975. Elvis dies, Star Wars, John Paul II becomes Pope, Sony introduces the Walkman, Pac-Man, E.T., Michael Jackson's thriller, AIDS. Now Black Monday, Lockerbie, the hole in the ozone, the fall of the Berlin Wall, Nelson Mandela is freed, the Soviet Union collapses, Rodney King, Lorena Bobbitt, O.J. Simpson, and of course, that sweet, sweet goal. Then Diana dies in a car crash, scientists clone sheep, Tiger Woods wins the Masters, Titanic, Y2K, September 11, Hurricane Katrina. This afternoon, New Orleans mayor reported that some 200 people in New Orleans are still stranded on rooftops. But that's just sort of a guess because we don't really know when all these drips happened because nobody on the planet had ever seen pitch drop until last week. It might take 10 years for a drop to form and to fall, but the, the drop will happen over the space of 24 hours, so you could easily miss it. And that's why no one has ever witnessed a drop actually uh, dripping before, because the time scale of the drop actually coming down that very last bit so small in comparison to 10 years. So it was just shown that it's the pitch is moving from the top up here in the funnel to the glass cylinder below. So in recent years, we thought, well, we have the technology now, so why not stick a webcam in front of it? And so, after 69 years, on the 11th of July, at around 4am, the pitch dropped once more. This time caught on camera for the world to see. Now, you might think this whole story sounds a little geeky and obscure, but there are literally thousands of people who've been watching hours of live feeds of pitch, waiting to catch a glimpse of this very fleeting moment. And Trinity's time-lapse video has already been played over one and a half million times on YouTube. But of course, there will always be people who ask the question, why? Often, if you, if you look into what anyone's doing at a PhD level, it might seem geeky and obscure. Um, this actually is rather quick and easy, I think, compared to most experiments. You know? <laughs> Not in time scale, but in terms of the amount of effort to get a result. Um, so yeah, I, th I think actually why people like this is they can actually understand it as well. It's, it's, it's rather, um, you can get a grip on this. It's a simple message. This stuff takes a long time for a drop to f uh, form and fall. And then when it falls, it, uh, it looks like a drop. So, you know, I think people get that. So they're like, yeah, cool. There is, would you believe it, sort of a sad ending to this story. And it concerns this man. Uh, my name is uh, Professor John Mainstone. I'm the honorary professor in the School of Mathematics and Physics at the University of Queensland. I'm also the long-term custodian, over uh, 52 years actually, uh, of what the Guinness World Records people declared to be 
the longest-running laboratory experiment in the world. You see, Professor Mainston has the original pitch-drop experiment, which goes back even further, back to 1927. And all his life, he's been waiting to see his pitch-drop too. It's been quite a, a calming exercise, you might say, because time is just ticking away as usual, Eastern Australian Standard Time, but the pitch-drop is just saying, what's the hurry? Let's wait and see what I decide to do. I'm not sure I would have found it calming at all. Professor Mainston, in all the time he's been trying to observe this drop, has had, well, sort of a string of bad luck. Uh, the 1979 drop, um, I was watching it fairly carefully on a Saturday afternoon, came to the conclusion that probably nothing much would happen on the Sunday, and I thought, well, I'll have a rest. So I did. Came in very early on Monday morning, and sure enough, the thing had fallen. Uh, so, okay, missed at that time. Uh, the next one was World Expo 1988. Uh, we negotiated it with the broadcasters to have the picture up on display in a window uh, where people walking past both of our provisions could see this thing. Well, it was a Sunday afternoon, very nice sunny day. And I was talking to about eight or ten people watching this thing, and they were saying, is it likely to drop any time now? And I said, oh, I don't think so. So one of them said, look, I think I'll go away and get a drink. And after about a minute, I decided I'd do the same. Uh, we, I came back first. To my dismay, I found that the thing had dropped <laughs> no. a few minutes after we'd been talking, and they came back a little later and thought I was a real fraud, you see, um, <laughs> making them miss this, this fall of the pitch drop. Uh, so that, that was that. And um, I guess the next one was uh, when I happily went off to London at the end of 90, uh, no, the end of the year 2000, it was, yes, and uh, said, oh, well, I'll be back in about a week's time. Um, let me know if anything interesting happens. And uh, <laughs> I got a, an email in London to say that it looks as though something might be about to happen. And I said, oh, don't worry, we've got it covered. We've got that webcam there and we've got a digital memory, so I'll see it all when I get back. Um, well, <laughs> the next email said, no, you won't, actually, because it's, it's fallen and we're not quite sure what happened to the recording equipment. No! And the next one said the recording equipment failed at the crucial time, so you won't be able to recover it from the record that we had there. And uh, so, you know, uh, by this time I was feeling very, very disappointed. So after all of that disappointment, how does it feel then to be beaten to the punch by some scientists in Trinity College? Well, except that it, that it, it bears no resemblance whatsoever to this sort of um, behaviour here, which uh, uh, you know, exhibits what one would expect with a viscoelastic... To some, it may um, sort of sound like denial, and, well, who could blame him? But Professor Mainston says this is a completely different experiment, and I couldn't detect a trace of bitterness in his voice as he told me that perhaps the pitch was of a different consistency, and the way the drop fell, it was sort of funny and didn't count. And... The fact that the experiment was moved sort of changes everything. Are you saying you suspect foul play? No, no, not at all. It's just that if you're not used to observing these, these drops, as I have been for 52 years, you may not uh, be taking the precautions that we certainly take uh, more or less quite automatically these days. 
list we And so even though the experiment in Australia and the one here in Trinity sound exactly the same, in Professor Mainstone's mind, it's as if Shane's pitch drop never actually happened. And so he carries on regardless, again, perhaps understandably, because he's been doing it for half a century. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Thank you.